You're listening to the official Travel Through History podcast. We're the producers. I'm Joe. And I'm John. If you haven't heard our story yet, go back to the first episode. We kind of give you a little breakdown of how this all started. In the meantime, the voice of the show, Jillian, will take you to our next destination. Take it away, Jillian. All hands on deck. We've got a Titanic-sized episode of Travel Through History for you today. We make a treacherous journey across the icy North Atlantic to Belfast, Northern Ireland, to visit the birthplace of the most famous ship in history. It's only fitting that Belfast would have the world's largest museum dedicated to the Titanic. We'll take you inside this unsinkable Titanic experience. After that, our hearts will go on as we explore the major art, scientific, and cultural contributions of the province known as Ulster. Then we throw away the key and explore the Crumlin Road Jail, the notorious prison where criminals, revolutionaries, and counter-revolutionaries spend some really, really hard time. To say it'll give you the creeps is a Titanic understatement. Prepare for all the Titanic puns you can handle, people. We're shipping off to Belfast, Northern Ireland on today's episode of Travel Through History, Titanic Edition. To tell the story of Belfast, you've got to go back, way back, 5,000 years ago. Strange things are cropping up in Ulster province. Megaliths, or henges as they're called, are large rocks that are stacked as if placed there by giants. But these weren't built by giants, but by an ancient civilization burying their dead and practicing a long-gone religion. Fast forward to the turn of the 16th century, Protestant Scots and Englishmen have started settling the province of Ulster under royal decree. Ulster province was trouble for the British crown, since the Gaelic, mostly Catholic inhabitants, didn't take kindly to the assimilation. But the brutal Nine Years' War was over, ending in Irish defeat, and the plantation of Ulster, as it was called, was in full effect, forever altering the population of Northern Ireland into a British stronghold. But they say time heals all wounds, and today Belfast is rising above ethnic tensions. Hi, I'm Fiona Ewer. I'm communications executive at Visit Belfast. The history of Belfast goes back, well, obviously, many, many, many centuries. The city um, got its royal charter just over 400 years ago in 1613, uh, and it really started flourishing as a townland then. Shipbuilding, tobacco, linen, were the main industries of the city, and that certainly brought huge amounts of wealth. Explains why we have a city hall quite as grand as we do. And she's not kidding. The Belfast City Hall is unmistakable and majestic. Business was booming back then, and combined with the shipbuilding, Belfast briefly overtakes Dublin as the most populous city in Ireland. Things were looking up for Belfast, but there were some icebergs on the horizon. In 1886, riots would erupt, pitting Loyalist Protestants against Unionist Irish. In 1919, the Irish War for Independence begins and results in a peace treaty that divides the island. The South would be the Free Irish Republic, but the North, including Belfast, would remain with the United Kingdom. Fast forward to the late 1960s, it may be the summer of love in the US, but it was anything but in Belfast. 
Catholics march in one direction, Protestants, accompanied by the blare of martial music, march in the other. When the courses of these two factions collided, the result was civil disorder. The Troubles was a period of violence from the late 60s to 1998. With their tanks and their bombs, Unionists and Loyalists took turns attacking each other. Over 3,500 people lost their lives in this deeply divided, sectarian conflict. But as a result of the Good Friday Agreement in 1998, peace has held and Belfast is looking forwards, not backwards. There's a very resurgent city, redevelopment within the Titanic Quarter seeing a sort of very sort of exciting future for the city. That'd be quite uh, very positive. There's a lot of investment going on within the work, like so where we are now, say hotels, galleries, bars, shops. They come here, restaurants. You'll find it. We're second to none. Belfast has become much more cosmopolitan in recent years. You can still find ham and cabbage and stew in certain places if you know where to look. No one is counting calories here. They're handing out heart attacks on a plate. We're probably best known maybe for our breakfast. Uh, it's hard to go past Ulster Fry, which is my, I hope my doctor's not watching this. Fried bacon, fried sausages, fried eggs, fried tomatoes, fried sauerkraut, fried bacon, fried black pudding. Not very good for your heart, but it's tasty. It's such a corny cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason, because it's the food of the gods. It may sound odd, but a popular thing to do here is to take a mural tour. Belfast is full of street art that is both political and non-political in nature. People are naturally inquisitive. We've bombarded people down the years with our problems through the media. So people no one know the origins of conflict, no one know the mechanisms of conflict, and now hopefully the resolution of conflict. When you're here, there's a palpable feeling of nationalism, but also hope. And I'm proud to say I'm from Northern Ireland, and I'm proud to say I work in Belfast. I feel like Belfast has really blossomed, you know, there's so much to offer. In terms of the arts and culture, it's like we're finally starting to realize what's important. It is literally light and dark. It's Belfast now is a city that I'm proud to live in, proud to tell people I'm from. We're dealing with the history of the place in a way that is more tolerant and people are more accepting. Some of it is reflection on the sad past, but some of it is just a modern, vibrant, lively city. After the break, we'll explore the depths of Titanic Belfast. Every week, we post new episode information to our website, TravelThroughHistory.tv. But we want to hear even more from our viewers. So like us on our Facebook page as well at Facebook.com slash TravelThroughHistory. Tell us where we should go next or teach us something new. Hey everybody, it's Joe and John, the producers of Travel Through History here. And one thing I wanted to mention to you guys was the only way that we're able to even make programming like this is through a charity. And our charity is called the Watch and Learn Foundation, and you can visit it by going to watchandlearn.org. What Joe really means is that we have no idea how to sell the show. And although we've tried in the last four years, it, we haven't been successful at it. We can shoot, write, produce, edit. What else do we do? Pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. Everything that... But we can't sell. Yeah. Yep, so if, you, if you're actually somebody listening that can help us sell the show, please call us, send us an email, anything, because we really want to keep doing more of these, and we'd actually like to pay our bills. But in the meantime, you can go to watchandlearn.org and make a donation. That's right. That's www.watchandlearn.org, and donate and keep shows like Travel Through History and other educational shows on the air. 
There is not a more famous tragedy at sea than the 1912 sinking of the Titanic. It's been more than a century since she disembarked on her maiden voyage from Southampton, UK to New York City, carrying over 2,000 souls on board. But the biggest ship in the world at that time has a close connection with our host city. Titanic and her sister ships, Britannic and Olympic, were built right here in Belfast by famed shipbuilder Harland and Wolfe, whose gigantic yellow cranes are still seen in the harbor today. Her opulent interior design made it the crown jewel of the White Star line of ships. Back a hundred years ago, Belfast was a busy city, very, very busy, and Titanic was built here in Belfast. And it's great now we have our visitor attraction and we have put Belfast on the map. Hello, I'm Ellen Fitzsimons and I'm visitor experience crew here at Titanic Belfast. We try to more concentrate on the fact that Titanic was built here in Belfast. And we celebrate that the men who built her, and yes, we do talk about the stories and the sad stories, but here at Titanic Belfast, we just like to talk about the celebration of her being built here. The unsinkable declaration about Titanic is largely a myth, but the ship was designed to be, quote, practically unsinkable, according to Hartland and Wolf safety publications, which is like Captain Edward Smith saying they practically made it to New York. On the 14th of April, Titanic was traveling at a rate of 22 knots, having received 11 ice warnings. Captain Smith had retired for the evening, leaving First Officer William Murdoch in charge. At 11.40pm, with no binoculars to aid him, lookout Frederick Fleet sounded the alarm from the crow's nest, iceberg dead ahead. Now 32 seconds would all it take from sighting to impact. More than 1,500 people lost their lives due to comically outdated safety measures and half-filled lifeboats. It was the largest peacetime nautical disaster in world history at the time, and as a result of the Titanic, we have those cruise ship safety regulations that make you wait before you hit the buffet. At Titanic Belfast, you can also see the SS Nomadic, one of Titanic's tender ships. Now, on Titanic's maiden voyage, she left Belfast, she went to Southampton, she went to Cherbourg in France, and then she went to Cove in the south of Ireland. Titanic was too big to port in Cherbourg, so she laid off tenders, or ferries. And Nomadic, she was one of them tenders. And Nomadic here, she is the last remaining White Star Line ship still afloat in the whole world. And it's great to have Nomadic right beside our building. Titanic Belfast is a world-class attraction. It features 130,000 square feet of Titanic-related exhibits and memorabilia. It has a state-of-the-art theater with a video floor simulating the underwater discovery. We have got the Shipyard Ride. The Shipyard Ride is a cable car ride. It flies you through the shipyard and it tells you all about Titanic being built and it's really good fun. It's not like a roller coaster, it's nice and slow, so don't be worrying about that. I don't really have to persuade you to visit Titanic Belfast because it's kind of the thing to do here. And even if hearing a certain song by a certain French-Canadian turns you off to the whole thing, you're still going to learn a lot about Belfast's history here. It's great here to come to Belfast. Yes, there's lots of things to do in Belfast, 
But why not come to our building and learn about Titanic? Hear about the history, the story of the people who are on Titanic. This building never stops. While many museums claim to have something for everyone, few can live up to the hype better than the Ulster Museum. With a continuously rotating collection of art history and natural sciences, I dare you to resist its charms. Hi, I'm Les McLean. I'm Head of Operations for the Ulster Museum in Belfast. The museum which opened in 1929 um, does try to focus on the history, art and nature of Northern Ireland. Of course, if you talk about the history of Ulster, you can't get by without mentioning the 30-year conflict that made the province what it is today. The Troubles were a sad period of, of Northern Ireland's history from 1969. They went on for 40 years, and for a lot of folk it's still a very sensitive and complicated and delicate subject. So the museum has chosen to represent it by a series of snapshots, a mixture of graphics, photography, some television footage, and it's simply designed to provoke thought and, and make everybody involved realise that it's a time we wouldn't like to go back to. But you'll find more than just Irish history inside these walls. One could say that Belfast has a thing for sunken ships. There's a very interesting exhibition in one of our galleries which is about the history of the Spanish Armada. One of the Armada ships, the Girona, sank off the coast of Ballycastle and was recovered by a diver in 1967. Real treasure trove stuff. One artifact recovered from the ship's wreckage is a golden salamander, which was believed to be a lucky charm, though I guess it wasn't lucky enough to stop the boat from sinking. One of the things I love is watching the faces of small children walking in. Because when you walk through the door, the first thing you see is a triceratops staring down at you. You get a sense of the grandeur of the place. These fossils will be a sight for sore eyes. Dinosaur eyes, that is. We have a couple of dinosaur fossils. We've also got a Tyrannosaurus rex head, which is a model in which people can touch and gives you a sense of the size and scale of them. Interestingly, one of the smaller exhibits we have is, is a dinosaur bone, which is evidence of a bite mark, which may have been a dinosaur being bitten by another dinosaur. Dino against dino? Even the prehistoric Irish couldn't stop from fighting. There's an old cliched image of museum of everything being behind glass, but the museum is a lively, vibrant place, and there's areas where children are encouraged to touch things, to color in, to replicate the art. From the impressively informative historic exhibits to the stunningly attractive art galleries, this magnificent building is a treasure trove of knowledge from the past to the present. If you're into art and into beautiful art, the galleries are quiet, thoughtful, meditative places. And if you want to get a sense of the history of Ireland right from very early days, I wander through the galleries. Stopping by the Ulster Museum is a unique experience because no two visits will ever be the same. So you can come to the Ulster Museum today, you can come again in three or four months and you're not going to see exactly the same stuff in exactly the same way. More Travel Through History Belfast after the break. Did you know that Titanic narrowly avoided disaster just minutes into her maiden voyage? As it was passing the moored SS city of New York, Titanic made a huge wave that caused the New York's lines to snap, spinning it around, sending it on a collision course with the Titanic. Captain Smith ordered the engines in full stern or reverse, missing the New York by four feet and delaying the maiden voyage by an hour. 
Hey, it's John and Joe, the producers of Travel Through History. The only way we can affordably produce these shows is with an invitation from our tourism board partners. They help show us around and get us where we need to be to tell the story. Belfast is one of my favorite cities we visited on the show. I was slightly apprehensive about going there because uh, the tourism board put us in the uh, hotel that had the reputation of being the most bombed out hotel in the world. But everything was great, the people were fine, uh, it's a lovely city. I really wouldn't go back to Ireland without stopping in Belfast. Check out visitbelfast.com for more information on a trip. Visit their site to learn more about the city's attractions and start planning a trip. Back to the show. You're sentenced to hard time in the crumb. That's a phrase no criminal, political prisoner, or anyone else would ever want to hear in their lifetime. The Crumlin Road Jail is a piece of living history in Belfast and is the only remaining Victorian-style prison still standing. Let's take a look inside one of the most notorious prisons in Northern Irish history and get a dose of reality. Hi, my name's Sarah Gordon. Uh, I'm a tour guide here at the Crumlin Road Jail. Currently, we're standing above the circle. So uh, the circle was the, the central control area of the whole prison. There are four wings in this prison, A, B, C, and D. They radiate out from the central control area. An officer could look to the ends of any of the four wings. He could tell at a glance if anything untoward was going on. So the prisoners constantly think they're being watched. Some prisoners were watched more than others. The walls of Crumlin Road have seen their fair share of Ireland's most notorious characters. Basically, any significant Irish figure has been in here at one point or another. Eamon de Valera uh, was in here. He was here in 1924 for a month for crossing illegally into Northern Ireland from the Republic. Um, in Paisley was in here. He liked it so much he came back. Uh, both our First Minister and Deputy First Minister Peter Robinson and Mark McGuinness have been in here. People, really iconic figures like Bobby Sands, who was one of the Republican hunger strikers. Michael Stone, they've all been here at one point or another. There are a variety of different cells which you can peruse while on the tour. Standard cells would have held one prisoner per cell in an ideal environment. During the Troubles, there were about 1,500 men held here at one point, so two to a cell was more common than not. Occasionally three, sometimes four. So they were very cramped environments. Try not to act out or else you'd be sent to a punishment cell, which is pretty self-explanatory. One of the main punishments incorporated was the boards. Your bed would be taken away, you'd be given a wooden board to sleep on. You're given a chamber pot, a Bible, and uh, some water. That's all you're provided with. If a prisoner started posing a danger to themselves or others, they were transferred into the always creepy padded cell. Quite often a prisoner would have a dirty protest while they were in there, so they might smear excrement over the walls. They would take out the prisoner, power hose it down and fire in the next one, so the smell that came off the padded cell was pretty horrific. This prison may be Victorian, but when this place closed down, the Spice Girls were still number one on the charts. It's a Victorian prison. It looks really old. Um, it's very easy to forget that prisoners were being held in these conditions as, as late as the 90s. Another fascinating part of the tour is the walk through the underground tunnel. In use since 1850, this passageway was used to transport prisoners to their trial at the now dilapidated courthouse across the street. The tunnel was built for the purpose of transporting prisoners from the jail to a hearing in one of the courtrooms without having to bring them onto the busy Crumlin Road above. There's a door at the end of the tunnel, a big steel door, it's currently locked up. But that would have led directly into the holding cells, there was a labyrinth of those below the courthouse, and then directly into courtroom number one. The tunnel provided controlled movement backwards and forwards without having to bring the prisoner into a public arena. Crumlin Road has been dubbed over the years as Europe's Alcatraz, but actually many prisoners successfully escaped. 
though for some of them, there would be only one way out. So there were 17 executions here in the prison altogether. Uh, the first five were public executions. They took place on makeshift gallows, either at the back of D-Wing or at the front of the prison. So thousands of people would have turned up to these. It was a form of popular entertainment at the time. Although people used to view these hangings as a form of entertainment, stepping into the prisoner's shoes proves that this was no laughing matter. So this is the condemned cell. The prisoner was brought down here. This is where he would spend the final days, weeks, minutes in the run-up to the execution. So it's a lot bigger than the other cells in the wing. It's actually two joined together. Uh, that was because he was never here on his own. So there were two officers with him at all times. They made sure that he kept his presence of mind and they kept him occupied. You know, they talked to him, they played board games with him. Uh, on the day of execution, they woke him up at 5 a.m. Uh, at 6 a.m. his cleric would arrive. This could have been a priest, minister, rabbi, depending on the man's denomination. He would be offered breakfast, most refused the breakfast, choosing instead to spend the extra time with the cleric. Now at that point he was brought into this room. This was a very familiar room to him, this was his bathroom. It meant that he could be brought to the toilet without being removed from his cell. On the day of execution this became known as the pinioning room. So the prisoner was brought in here, a belt was taken from this cupboard and buckled tightly around his waist. It had arm straps so his arms could be cuffed tightly by his sides. This was to prevent him fighting back in any way. His shirt collar would be open and his neck exposed. So at this point it's getting very real. The prisoner is expecting to be led out of his cell down to the hanging cell. It's moments away. Now none of the prisoners in this prison knew exactly where the hanging cell was. They thought it was probably in D-Wing because that was where the previous executions had taken place but none of them knew for sure and you can imagine the administration like the air of mystery that surrounded the whole process. Instead, the prisoner was spun around to face this cupboard, thrown back, and this door was opened. And effectively, he'd been sleeping next door to the nurse the whole time, and he never knew. Hey everybody, it's Joe and John, the producers of Travel Through History here. One thing I wanted to mention to you guys was the only way that we're able to even make programming like this is through a charity. And our charity is called the Watch and Learn Foundation, and you can visit it by going to watchandlearn.org. What Joe really means is that we have no idea how to sell the show. And although we've tried in the last four years, it, we haven't been successful at it. We can shoot, write, produce, edit. What else do we do? Pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. Everything that... But we can't sell. Yeah. Yep, so if, you, if you're actually somebody listening that can help us sell the show, please call us, send us an email, anything, because we really want to keep doing more of these, and we actually like to pay our bills. But in the meantime, you can go to watchandlearn.org and make a donation. That's right. That's www.watchandlearn.org, and donate and keep shows like Travel Through History and other educational shows on the air. Today we braved the icy North Atlantic cold to whisk you off to Northern Ireland. The Emerald Isle never disappoints when it comes to epic tales. We marveled at Belfast's doomed crown jewel, the RMS Titanic. We then perused the city's collection of historical goodies at the Ulster Museum. And finally, we kept it real while showing you the history of Belfast's Crumlin Road Jail. We hope we've inspired you to have an adventure in a city on its way back to glory. See a wee bit of Britain in Ireland. Just follow the Giants north to Belfast, Northern Ireland. Thanks for listening to Travel Through History. Don't forget to visit the website to learn more about the places we visited and some quick history. That's www.travelthroughhistory.tv.